time for the Vintage Truth Podcast with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Jeff Kinley. And welcome to the Vintage Truth Podcast. You're always welcome here. Hey, we uh, need to, to cover a quick item of prayer before we uh, jump into today's topic, which is what difference does the rapture make? And here it is. So this is podcast number 80. And we store our podcast online at a, at a website called apodomatic.com. You can actually go there and listen to all the podcasts there. And we don't want to delete podcasts. We want to make them available in archive, continue to build a, a podcast, Biblical Truth Archive for people, people to go and listen to. But we are fastly running out of space, out of memory on that on that site. And so uh, we only have a couple of podcasts left before we're shutting down here because we just don't have any room to do that. So here's the deal. I need to raise about a, about $250 to basically buy storage for a year. So $250 buys storage for about a year uh, from this point on to continue to add these podcasts online so that people can have access to them. And right now we're up to, I think, 28 or 29 countries that are listening around the world. Obviously, most of them that are listening are in the United States. But if this podcast has meant something to you, if it's something you look forward to, something that you're getting some meaty scripture truth out of, would you consider helping us get to that $250 mark? It's, it's not a lot of money, obviously. Uh, it is to some people. But, uh, but in terms of just when many people come together, uh, it's not much if we all kind of grab one corner of the table and we can all lift it at one time. Here's how you do that. Go to jeffkinley.com, click on the donate tab near the top, and uh, it'll take you to a, a place where you can uh, make an online donation. And you can donate any amount that you want. And no matter what it is, trust me, it's appreciated. This ministry continues and is funded uh, based upon the gifts of people who believe in it. And uh, so whatever God leads you to do, if he leads you to do that, then, of course, that will be greatly appreciated. We can continue uh, to broadcast these podcasts. Okay, let's get into our topic for today, and it is what difference does the rapture make? We talked about last time about the difference between the rapture and the second coming, and we saw the rapture as the event prior to God unleashing his judgment on planet Earth God's rescue of the church, Jesus Christ returning for the church. And there are a number of incredible implications to that event. You know, people are not talking about the rapture today uh, because they think in an unbiblical way that somehow it produces either a panic mindset or a lethargic sort of sit back and wait on the Lord kind of mindset. And there's nothing even remotely close to that response in the scripture in what scripture teaches us. In fact, the teaching of the rapture has so many incredible life-changing benefits for our lives that we don't even have time to talk about it in one podcast. But I wanted to spend a few minutes today just talking about what are some of the practical benefits that we get from the teaching of the rapture, from the, from the fact that the rapture will take place? Now, I said earlier in other podcasts, there are some people who don't believe there is such thing as a rapture. That's fine. Uh, 
depending on what people believe, that, that does not determine whether something is real or is going to happen based upon what someone believes. Uh, people have mocked the rapture uh, for years, and they will continue to do so. In fact, Second uh, Peter 3, 9 tells us that, that the, uh, the last days will be marked by those who come and mock the promise of his coming. And so Second uh, Peter 3, um, from verses 1 to verse 9, really. And uh, so that's okay. That's fine. But I believe in the rapture. I believe the scripture teaches it. So I want to talk about uh, just a couple of benefits here. We won't get to all of them, but just a couple of benefits. And we see the first one in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, where Paul says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep and those who grieve, as the rest of humanity who has no hope after people die. And so Paul begins, and he's talking about the rapture here, and he says, the first thing I want you to do is to not be uninformed. See, so much of the church today is uninformed because pastors are not teaching on this subject. They don't really get it. Many of them don't really get it themselves. And so their congregations are uninformed, exactly what Paul feared would happen. And when you don't teach the whole counsel of God, when you don't teach from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, when you don't teach that whole book, then you have a congregation of people who are uninformed. And there are people today in the church who have this, this skewed kind of Picasso-like theology where everything's just kind of thrown on a canvas and nothing really fits together. Well, Bible prophecy helps us fit the whole thing together in terms of God's ultimate timetable. And so the first thing you would see is that you're not uninformed. Don't you want to be uninformed? Don't you want to be in the know? Don't, don't you want to know what's going on? I mean, some of you guys get up in the morning, you click on some news feed that you follow. You may go to, you may watch Fox News on TV or click on, you know, one of the other networks, or you may go online and you may go to Yahoo or MSN or, or Breitbart or, or some news source and you find out what's going on. I mean, recently there were these um, these uh, 12 uh, soccer players from Thailand, these young boys who had gotten stuck in the, way up into this in the mountains in this tunnel, uh, this cave that was filled with water, and this daring rescue by the Thai Navy SEALs. And, and we were following it minute by minute all over the world. And people were just hanging, uh, you know, by a thread, just wondering, what's going to, how many do they have out now? What happened to, you know, people wanted to know, are they okay? People want to know what's happening in the world. If you're a Christian, can I ask you a question? Why don't you want to know what God's word says? Can you answer that for me? Why are you content to not know what the word says about any question that's out there in life or the, or the world? I mean, are you, just, are you just happy to be dumb? Is that really what it boils down to? And that's why you can't sit under teaching for very long or open your Bible for very long or listen to God's word being taught or preached or, or shared for very long because you just don't care. I mean, how, what does that say about your Christianity? What does it say about your relationship with Jesus Christ when you just don't care to know? And you see, you and I live in a world and an age these days where people are saying it's okay not to know. And further than that, they say you really can't know. 
And when we talk about Bible prophecy, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ that are propagating this demonic lie that you can't know about what's going to happen in the future in terms of what the Bible teaches. Well, I believe you can know. And God wrote an entire book so that we would know what's going to happen. I mean, God ends his written revelation not, not by saying, and you know, all the things I've told you in this book, y'all remember those things now. And uh, remember to love each other and have a good time and enjoy your lives and love your families and everything will be just fine. No, he ends it with apocalypse. He ends it with the teaching about what the church should do in the end times, how the church should be, and then what's going to happen to the world after the church is taken up, and then the eternal state. See, we'd rather get our theology about heaven from some silly book written by a little boy who had a dream than we would the Word of God itself. You know, we'd rather get our, our ideas about what the end times are going to be like from some, some ridiculous Hollywood movie than what Jesus Christ gave the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. And we would rather be content just not to know than to do what Paul says in this passage, which is don't be uninformed. Don't be stupid. Don't be ignorant. Don't be in the dark. So the teaching of the rapture gives us clarity. It dispels confusion. It gives us a, a, a certain, it's like dilating our theological mind. We can, we can see more. It brings things into focus about what's going to happen. So, the first thing is that we, we're not uninformed. And, and the second thing is the, just the authority of, of our belief. You know, people talk about, well, I want to have strong, I want to know what I believe. Well, if you want to know what you believe, you better get into the Bible, find out what, what the Bible says is true. And then you base your belief on what's true as taught in Scripture. You don't base your belief on what you feel, what you think, what you hope, what you know in your own heart. It's what the Bible says. And there needs to be a certain sense of authority that comes with this whole idea that Jesus Christ is coming back to rescue his bride. That's what he says in verse 15. He says, for this we say to you by the word of the Lord. I mean, come on. <laughs> Can Paul be any more authoritative? He doesn't say, now, now guys, this is what I really think is going to happen. I don't know. Now, so don't quote me on this. But this is what I think is going to happen. He didn't say something like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if Jesus just came back and did this or did that or, you know, took us to heaven before he unleashed his, his, his hot, holy wrath on planet Earth? Wouldn't that be great? He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, wouldn't it be cool? He doesn't say, I don't know, but this is what I hope. This is what I wish. He doesn't say that. He says, this we say to you by the word of almighty God. I don't know about you, but that's pretty authoritative. That's more authoritative than the government, the president, the pope, some spiritual leader that you or I may follow. It trumps everything. It, it supersedes every other word of authority, the word of the Lord. And then he goes on to tell us about the rapture, exactly how the rapture is going to happen. So there's a sense of clarity 
it takes us out of the field of ignorance, puts us in the field of knowledge, of no, knowledge is power. Knowledge, knowledge gives us that true hope. And then he says it's authoritative. So you can believe something with confidence, with authority, not, not with a sense of timidity. Or Christians going around today and they're just timid about what they believe. No, if it's true, it's true. If it's in the word of God, then it's true. And we can be confident and, and have a solid rock faith. We can be bold as lions in our belief system, especially as it concerns uh, the end times. Now, again, it's not, not to be rude, not to be abrasive, not to be argumentative with others. People want to pick arguments with me all of the time. They'll send me emails telling me I'm, I'm an idiot or tell me they disagree with something. I'm up, but that's fine. I'm not here to argue. I'm here to proclaim what I believe God's word says. And that's why you're here as well. So there is an authority by the word of the Lord. That's another thing the rapture uh, does, does to us. The other thing it does is that it gives us hope that we're not always going to struggle in this earthly body. You know, in Romans chapter 7, Paul outlines his personal struggle with self, with the sin nature, with what I call the zombie within. Wrote a whole book about that called the Christian Zombie Killer's Handbook, Slaying the Living Dead Within. It's an entire book about how to conquer sin and the sin nature within you. Something you and I fight every day. And I put a whole novel, a whole zombie novel in there as well. So it's half zombie novel and half just deep theological truth about the sin nature. What it is, how it works, how you can overcome it. Anyway, Paul had this struggle in Romans chapter 7. And he reached this point of frustration. Because we live in these earthly bodies. And not only are we limited because of them. And not only does our sin nature fight against us, but we also just realize, I just don't like being here forever. And I need, I need a change. I need a transformation. I need, I need to be completely reborn, redone, remade. And physically and spiritually, that's what ultimately will happen at the rapture. It says over in in First Thessalonians, excuse me, First um, Corinthians, chapter fifteen. Listen to this. I I love this passage here. Paul says in First Corinthians fifteen fifty one, he says, "Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep or die, but we will all be changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye." At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. He says that these perishable bodies will put on the imperishable. Mortality will surrender to immortality. And that's when we overcome death, at the rapture. So the rapture teaches us that we have the hope that we're going to be changed if we are alive at the time of the rapture. If we are a part of the generation of the body of Christ that is alive at the time of the rapture, then we're going to be changed. That's an amazing thing that we get from the rapture. So we get clarity and knowledge. We get authority by the word of the Lord. We get to know the hope that we're going to be. And aren't you glad that one day God's going to say, hey, come home. Your deployment is over. Your war is over. Good job, soldier. Come on in. 
and receive the king's banquet and, and be changed, right? Let me give you one final thing. This is in, also in First Thess 4. It says at the end of this whole thing when he says we're caught up together with the dead in Christ in the clouds to meet the Lord and we will always be with the Lord. That's another hope, by the way. It's the hope of being with Jesus, which is the whole point of salvation, by the way, is that we ultimately are with him, with him. That's what John 14, 1 through 3 is all about. As Jesus talks about the rapture, he says that where I am, there you may be also. That's his love for us. That's his desire for us. That's his destiny that he determined for us before the foundation of the world. One quick thing. Verse 18, it says, therefore, and someone has jokingly said, anytime you see a therefore in scripture, you have to ask yourself the question, what's it there for? <laughs> here's what it's there for. He says, therefore, here's the point of what I'm teaching all this. The point of this, therefore, comfort one another with these words. You see, the rapture is not a comfort for the world. It's an encouragement for the church. It's a comfort for the body of Christ. The doctrine of the rapture is not a comfort to those who are not going to heaven. If you don't have any hope of going to heaven or being changed by the rapture event, then I, I, I agree, the rapture doesn't mean much to you. But if you believe what Paul is saying in this passage here, he says, therefore, now comfort each other, each other with these things. Whenever I preach across the country and do these discerning the times conferences or come in and talk about Bible prophecy, I usually bring a message on the rapture. And at the end, one of the greatest things we receive is hope and comfort. That's okay. It's okay to be comforted. It's okay to know that we're going to be rescued. It's okay to have the assurance that Jesus Christ is going to get us. You say, well, is that escapism? Isn't that just escapism? Well, guess what? You are going to escape God's wrath on earth. There's nothing wrong with that. If you'd have walked up to Noah right before the first drop of rain fell, the, the, the great you know, reservoirs of the deep burst open, you say, hey, Noah, aren't you just trying to escape? Isn't that all you're really trying to do? Noah would have looked at you and said, yeah, but that's a pretty good deal if you ask me. I'm going to escape the flood. And the flood of God's wrath is coming again on this planet. And we comfort one another with that. We comfort with each other with knowing, hey, you're not stupid. You're not crazy. Your faith is real. God says it right here. You're informed now. You're in the know. You're a part of that circle that has the, the mystery of knowledge. You, you have wisdom from the Bible is what he's saying. You have authority. You have the, the sense of, of knowing that you're going to be changed. That's a great comfort that we get. So we need to say that to each other. In fact, that's exactly what the early church did. When they would leave church, you know what they would say with each other? They would say, Maranatha. When they would greet each other, they would say, Maranatha. It's an Aramaic term meaning, meaning may the Lord come. May the Lord come. That's how fresh and how on the surface this whole idea of the rapture was to the early church. It was on their, their minds, it was on their hearts, and it was on their lips. When's the last time your church sang a song about Jesus coming back? When's the last time your church celebrated the comfort of knowing that Christ is returning for his bride to take her to heaven? We sing so many times these syrupy songs of, of spirituality, but do they come from Scripture? 
this is something that comes right from Scripture. So maybe somebody out there needs to write a rapture song. It's time for a new rapture song. We had some good ones here years ago, but it's time for a new one. (laughs) And I pray right now that God would comfort your heart with this truth of the rapture. Jesus Christ is coming back, my friend. He's coming to get us one day, and it makes a difference right now. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Truth Podcast. Please subscribe and share with a friend. For more about Jeff's ministry, go to jeffkinley.com.